0: Hey there, it's Scary Parachute's Thursday, August 16th, 2018. Welcome back to the On College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and I'll be honest, there's not a lot happening in college basketball right now. No coaches have been placed on administrative leave, no notable players have been arrested. It's been kind of quiet, but two of the biggest if not the two biggest programs in the country, have played Exhibition since we last talked. Kentucky went 4-0 in the Bahamas. Duke 1-0 in Canada so far. Norlander, do you care at all about Exhibition Basketball in the month of August? Uh, Mildly.
1: I only care about it from this standpoint, GP. Uh, You've got the two most predominant polarizing, talked about, relevant, meaningful programs in college basketball. And they have a lot of players that are going to be in the NBA a year from now. And we obviously want to get a a sneak peek at what these teams could look like when the season starts. Not even necessarily, Paris, what they'll look like come February or March. So it is intriguing. Zion Williamson obviously was quite wowing on Wednesday night. I caught the highlights. Did not quite catch that live, uh, but I did see afterward what uh, what he had done and R.J. Barrett had done, and then Kentucky obviously has wrapped up its its trip to the Bahamas, and there's some interesting things to take away from that. So my my overall takeaway on this parish is that I think you can get a nice early look, but I really really resist on taking meaningful uh information away from these exhibition trips because a lot of it's experimental and what the coaches actually are going to be implementing come conference season will not look all that much like what we're seeing here in the middle of august
0: there's no question that's true also true is that we don't know what these other teams are you know like we like uh you know when kentucky plays who it plays in the bahamas duke plays who it plays in canada um, there, there's really no context for it. Like, they, they could be playing you and I and three other dudes. We don't we don't really know. I mean, I, th- I think the competition's better than that, but I don't know how uh, significantly, how much significantly uh, it, it is better than that. So uh, I'm with you. I don't put a lot of uh, stock into it. But I will say, and, and we'll start with Kentucky, because they did go 4-0 in the Bahamas after John Calipari suggested they might lose two or three games. Now, that might have just been John being John. Um, but um, either way, they they overachieved relative to his uh, expectations. And though I don't care too much about points around the rim because it might just be because you've got lottery picks um, in the front court and the competition does not. And I don't care so much about anything other than I did notice that Kentucky shot 41% from three-point range. And that's like after starting um, I believe they went something like two of 20 in the first game so they really shot the ball well in games two three and four and that's significant because um it it it, it jibes with something PJ Washington said in advance of the trip he was asked like what's different about this team than last year's team and he said we we shoot it way better than we shot it last year we have better shooters and I didn't know if that was just a you know, a 19, 20-year-old talking or if there was something to it. But it was one of the stats that I was going to pay attention to. Last season, Kentucky only shot 35.7% for three-point range. That that ranked 124th in the country. And they they took almost no three-pointers. Only 25.8% of their field goal attempts came from beyond the arc. That ranked 344th in the country. So not only did they not make them at a great rate or even a good rate, they did not take them at all. And that's not really the way basketball is played these days. Uh, Villanova is a great example. The national champion shot a bunch and made a bunch. Kentucky didn't shoot many and they didn't make many. Um, and then so Kentucky goes to to the Bahamas and they actually shoot 41 percent from three point range. I don't care if you're playing against good competition, bad competition. you still got to be able to make that shot from that distance. And they made them in the Bahamas. And I think that's a good sign. If nothing else, it's not a bad sign.
1: It's a, it's a nice early indication. It's the one element of John Calipari's teams, broadly speaking, uh, that has been the most lacking year over year for much of the past eight or nine seasons. And if you had put last year's Kentucky team um, in the mix with being a top 20 type of team from, from long range, I think it changes that team's dynamic in a big way. And if this team is going to be more reliable from three-point range, I think that matters a great deal because you're going to be able to combine that with the fact that you'll have some nice veterans returning and you're you're also if you're Kentucky and it's i think it's the most interesting part of this team upcoming is that you've got Quade Green coming back but you've got such an an intriguing backcourt uh i think Quade has a chance when we get to february to be um, the most important player on that roster. We'll see. Even Calipari's he's not sure if he's going to have him play point guard or not. He said he liked him off the ball. Ashton Haggins is an undeniable talent and someone who recently reclassified. And you've got Emmanuel Qu- Quickly who showed out pretty well in the Bahamas overall. So I think all of those things are really important, uh, particularly because you lose Shea Gildas Alexander well before you thought that you were going to, but the backcourt is still going to remain fairly strong. Um, I think that is... I think that's a pretty important element here overall. And then you bring in Tyler Hero, who got a lot of run right away, and and rightfully so. Uh, This is a kid who had committed to Wisconsin verbally, and then Kentucky kind of came in late. Um, Wisconsin fans obviously rightfully a little <laughs> a little sour on this, but he looks like he is legitimately uh, able to step in and be an impact player right away for Kentucky, and uh, who knows? Maybe when we start the season, he'll have the kind of immediate impact that wasn't predicted or expected from him overall. So the three-point shooting parish I think will be vital, and I do expect – And I'm not just basing this off of what they did in the Bahamas. I'm basing this off of the fact they get Jamar Baker back this year, who who was – Sign most of last season, you have the players that can actually shoot from distance. I, I think that they're just bound to be much better from deep, and it's why we have Kentucky so highly ranked in the preseason top 25-1, and one, because when you can add that element on top of the NBA players, on top of the veterans that they have coming back, things are setting up fairly well for UK as we get ready to, to prep for games in November here.
0: You and I are in agreement about the top of any preseason rankings that we might disagree on whether it's Kansas or Kentucky. And honestly, I don't even know if we disagree there because I I have Kentucky number one, top 25 and one. I I know you would have Kansas, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't even think you're wrong. Like, I, 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 it's just a flip of the coin. Like, I have Kentucky because I have Kentucky, but I, I don't think it's crazy or, um, or loony to have Kansas. Um, it's got to be one of those two schools. That's where we agree. It's got to be one of those two schools. And I'll just say that nothing that happened in the Bahamas makes me move off of that. You know, I I don't know that I come out of there going, ooh, Kentucky's clear cut, got to be number one, because Kansas would have probably done the exact same thing to the exact same teams in the exact same circumstances. But you don't watch Kentucky in those four games in the Bahamas and go, ugh, I don't know about them. You you come away from that going, okay. Like, you know, they they look like they're ready to go because – they're not as reliant on freshmen as they usually are. And, and that's not just an opinion. That's a fact. Um, I looked this up in advance of their uh, trip to the Bahamas, and I, I think that came after we last talked on this podcast. So if people didn't read the column, they might not know, but, but this is true. Kentucky, for only the second time ever under John Calipari, has three players on its roster – who last season averaged more than nine points per game at the Division I level. That might not sound like much, but it is rare for Kentucky. They have three players on the roster who averaged more than nine points per game at the Division I level last season. Um, it's it's Quade Green, it's P.J. Washington, and it's Reed Travis. I mentioned it's, it's only the second time that it's ever happened at Kentucky. And do you know what the other time was?
1: <laughs> I don't. What was it?
0: 2012, the year they won the national championship. They had... I believe it was Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones, and Darius Miller back. They had all averaged more than nine points per game in the 2010-2011 season. They come back, and they're joined by Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marcus Teague, and they go on to win the national championship. Now, um, the difference between that team and this team is that there is no Anthony Davis. You know, they, they, Kentucky's not enrolling in Anthony da- Davis. Like, um, they've got really good players, but but in, in, in five star freshmen. But Anthony Davis is a is a you know a, a once in a decade type of talent to come through college basketball. So I'm not necessarily trying to say well the, that is evidence that Kentucky's going to win the national championship. But John's best teams at Kentucky, and I've said this a million times. I think on literally every radio station that talks about sports in the state of Kentucky, um, John's best teams um, at Kentucky, which I think are 2010, 2012, 2015, have all had five-star freshmen, obviously, but but also had non-freshmen who are notable players on the roster. And this 2018-19 team is going to be similar in that respect. It's going to have non-freshman notable players. Not just experienced players who sit on your bench. They they don't really help you much. Uh, but, But guys in your rotation who are not freshmen. Guys in your starting lineup who are not freshmen. Kentucky's going to have that this season, and I, th- I think it's going to it's it's going to be a reason why they're a legitimate national t- championship contender.
1: PJ Washington's name has to be addressed here because he he looks ready to step into a role of of leadership and prominence with Kentucky. You you just you watch him play, and if. You, if for those that might not have seen anything of Kentucky and the Bahamas, which, by the way, is totally reasonable. If you're if you're in a mode where you love to listen to the podcast, have Parrish and I check in with you and have us in your ears for a little bit but aren't exactly thrilled to be watching college basketball in August, we totally get that. I'll just tell you this. Washington is... Going to have a fairly successful season i don 't see a situation in which that doesn 't happen because he seems to be uh, the spiritual center of this roster, and he just always looks like he gives a damn when he plays and I like that a lot I like his his overall approach i I, I get the sense that he will be well Quade green maybe we come to find out in February uh, whether he 's on or off the ball is when he's up, the team's up. Like he's just more of a barometer. It's kind of similar to Kevin Knox last year with Kentucky. I feel like Washington's set up to be the most reliable, game-to-game consistent double-double guy that Kentucky's going to have the entire season from the first game until we get to the NCAA tournament. Um, he looks improved. He obviously flirted with going to the NBA draft. I think he probably would have been picked if he had gone. Instead, opts out of falling in that 45 to 60 round uh, range to come back and hopefully turn himself into a first rounder. He is a very important. Veteran, and I perish. I just get the sense that you and I are going to be talking on this podcast in late November, December, maybe January, and referencing how critical PJ Washington is to this team, and just in general how much fun he'll make them to watch play. He's just got a certain spark within him. Totally different players, but almost like the way when you watch Kentucky and you saw Tyler Eulis play and he had just an undeniable it about him and was so critical to the teams that he was on. I think Washington will fill that role this year with UK.
0: There's no question. I mean, you you can take a massive jump, not if you're just a guy who goes from being a freshman to a sophomore, but a five-star guy who comes back for a sophomore season. Um, Those guys tend to take pretty good jumps. If they were already good as freshmen and PJ Washington was already good as a freshman, um, I, I'm, I'm not comparing the two, but like think about Blake Griffin as a freshman and Blake Griffin as a sophomore, like two totally different players because he's got a year um, under him. He's a, uh, he's a year older. He's a year stronger. He's a year better. Uh, PJ Washington's obviously nothing like Blake Griffin when it comes to being a basketball player, but uh, that, that type of jump from being a really, from being a good player on a really good team you can be a great player on a great team from your freshman year to your sophomore season, and, and I would expect uh, PJ Washington to make that jump. And then, you know, Reed Travis—I uh, don't know that he blew anybody away. Um, he had his ups and downs in the Bahamas, but you know, but he's 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 twenty-two years old. Like he's a he's 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 a twenty-two-year-old front court player who's going to play major minutes for Kentucky. That that hasn't happened. Uh, at, at Kentucky in a long time. I, I don't want to get specific with it because a, a Kentucky diehard will tweet me and say, well, you forgot about so and so but like you know Patrick Patterson comes to mind. That's the who know, comes and, to mind Parrish. The yeah, last time
1: but, we had like a really really good senior on a Kentucky team with with a lot of experience, he's who popped in my mind anyway
0: right And so like it's been in- Patrick Patterson has been out of college for a long time. This is rare stuff for Kentucky under cow And um, you know when I talk to the Kentucky staff, um, in Vegas or at Peach Jam, one of the two or both, you know, they were like, it's like having Chris Massey on your team and people, uh, outside of, uh, where I live won't remember that. But when John was at Kentucky, I mean, when John was at Memphis, you know, he had Chris Massey, who was like a 24 year old senior, like he was an older guy and he was a man. And, you know, there's a big difference between being 22, 23 and being 18. And, um, and, and and Kentucky's got that now with Reed Travis, so that, that that's all good stuff. Let's uh, pivot to Duke real quick before we get out of here, because this is not going to be a long podcast. If you've already looked at the uh, minutes we recorded, it is not extensive because we there's just not a whole lot to say. There's nothing going on. I mean, I guess we could do a whole podcast about the Ohio State football situation or the Maryland football situation, but this is an I am college basketball podcast. So uh, we'll pivot to Duke really quickly. They played. Uh, their first game in Canada last night. This is Thursday. Last night was Wednesday, and if you tuned in to to watch the freshmen, you you got a show. Zion Williamson got th- uh, twenty nine points in thirty three minutes. R.J. Barrett got uh, thirty four points in thirty five minutes. So they played something called Ryerson. Is that like Ned? That's Needle exactly, nose Ned.
1: That's, that's <laughs> what I hope everyone
0: thought about. Yeah. Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. <laughs> so uh, they got a combined 63 points and Ryerson scored 67 um, as a team. So Zion was terrific. RJ was terrific. That's not surprising. We're going to launch, by the way, our Candy Coaches series next week. And one of the questions that we're asking coaches is if you could take any one player. From any team in college basketball and put him on your team, who would you take? And I've got a, a handful of RJ Barrett answers, a bunch of RJ Barrett answers. And, you know, he's, he's obviously phenomenal. He's been phenomenal on the international stage as a high school player. And, um, you know, he was, he was great last night, 34 points, uh, 35 minutes. And though Duke is not at full strength and it's also worth noting Alex O'Connell got an elbow to the eye in the third minute of the game. And um, was diagnosed with a fractured orbital something. And so he's out for the rest of Canada. And um, he will recover, but he ain't playing anymore anytime soon. Uh, And Cam Reddish isn't playing. So they are shorthanded. But um, if we look up in December and it's Zion and RJ putting up big, big numbers and trying to carry this team, it, it won't be surprising to me. Uh
1: I guess not for me either. L- last night's performance was obviously wowing Zion Williamson's uh, D- Duke debut for all intents and purposes. I mean, when we come November, that will be considered his actual debut. But we're seeing him play uh, for Duke basketball with his teammates in actual competition, be it in exhibition games. It, it probably couldn't go- have gone much better than that. This comes on the heels of a, uh, a viral clip of him dunking from the foul line. Uh, Barrett as well, although Barrett's Barrett had a clear like nine or ten inches in front of the foul line, and that's why there's a big difference. If you watch Zion, he's actually taking off from the foul line um, at two hundred eighty five pounds. It's insane, man! How how big this guy is, and he is going to be the most must watch player. And it was always destined to be this, by the way, because he has been. Uh, an Instagram social media celebrity for two plus years now, a mixtape phenom in an era where every kind of player, if you're a top 100 dude, you have some sort of mixtape on YouTube. Zion absolutely transcends that ideal and has for a couple of years. There has never been anyone in the modern social media era who's ever been as big as him. If you want to gauge that based off his YouTube video views, if you want to base it off of his Instagram followers, he is a different uh, stratosphere. You put him on Duke and you you see what he can do like what he did on Wednesday night and it's damn impressive. Maybe we'll even talk more about Duke on our podcast next week. We're definitely going to get into the candy coaches stuff as well. But uh, Zion impresses right away. I am bigger on RJ Barrett. You mentioned the can Coaches coach serious sure. responses. I've gotten some for Barrett. I have gotten some for Zion. I've gotten a litany of uh, of responses there. Um, some players that are coming back as well. Uh, they're fun. They're intriguing. We don't yet know what, how Cam Reddish is going to factor into this because there are plenty of people who think Reddish is better than Zion. Uh, I might even buy into that as well. It's just that Zion is just, he's so damn big and he's got such pop off the floor. Really good defender. A good chase down defender overall. Um, we'll see what they can do here but I have to note, Parrish, before we get out of here you know, it was too funny the fact that apparently, you know, the Carlton Ravens are destroying everyone in college basketball as they yes. year over year, right? <laughs> everyone. Killed Cincinnati, killed South Dakota State. You look at, at what Carlton does when these teams go to Canada, they always, apparently, Duke might have ducked playing Carlton, who's like a legitimate opponent. And that's just hilarious because Duke, as many people know, when it comes to regular season, non-conference scheduling, it obviously always does have a number of really good opponents, but it never goes on the road by choice to play those opponents. If it's on the road, it's because of the ACC Big Ten uh, television uh, series that obviously mandates Duke has to go on the road. So I just like the fact that that theme, Paris, is carrying over. (laughs) It's so good. August exhibition basketball, We're. Listen, the report is that Carlton was willing to play Duke anywhere, anytime, and for some reason, Paris, that just didn't happen.
0: Oh, I, you know what? I mean, I, I, the reason's obvious. Duke didn't want any part of that with the, with with the, this young of a team. And honestly, I don't blame them because here's the truth: when when Carlton beats Cincinnati's brains in or South Dakota State's brains in, it's just like it's a thing you and I hear about. John Rothstein hears about, yeah. Um, it's not a thing that resonates throughout sports. If Duke goes to Canada and lose an exhibition in August, that's on Sports Center. Yes. You know, it, it, it will be an <laughs> embarrassing thing. And so if I'm Kay, I like I totally uh understand it. The last thing I'll point out before we get out of here, um it was a few months ago where Kay said that he thought Marquise Bolden was gonna be one of the best big men in the country. And you and I were both skeptical of that, not to question the goat of of, of college basketball coaching, but like Marquise Bolden's never showed anything to make you think that he's anything other than just not great at basketball. Maybe not even not good at basketball. Last night he played 19 minutes. He was in the starting lineup. 19 minutes, 0 of 1 from the field, three rebounds. He finished with zero points. That's not good. I mean, like if you're if you're not putting up numbers against, and I understand like it's not an actual, but like that's not good. Like he he might just not. He just might always be one of those guys who was heralded coming out of high school and it never happened for Totally
1: him. valid, but if we're uh, let's not overreact to Zion you know, putting up 38 and 13. Let's not overreact to Bolden in the same way being underwhelming, but with Bolden, the pattern is we've seen what he is and isn't so far, right. and so th- let's see what the rest of the strip brings, but yes, on first glance, uh, he did not seem to be the kind of player that Kay expects him to
0: be this season. Right, like if he went like uh, one of eight from the field, I'd be like, well, at least he got eight shots you know like i I could he he took one field goal attempt he grabbed three rebounds he's on the court for 19 minutes that's just um i don't know if you're gonna be one of the best front court players in the country that's probably not the way uh you perform in 19 minutes against uh needle nose ned but it is it is what he did last night so we'll see what he does on the rest of this trip anyway
1: this feels like a weird podcast man but i actually like it this is you know what and we blew through it. Like if, this if, you, is if a,
0: all you wanted to, if all you wanted to do was get 20 minutes on Kentucky and do we blew through it pretty good. No real uh, uh, uh wasted time.
1: I like the fact that listen, it's just it it's a little bit of it's just a change of pace pitch here, okay? Don't worry when we get back into our flow, we'll still we know our listeners like when we go long, but uh but a nice quick hit it's the dog days of summer. A couple quick things. I promise you next week we're going to have a longer podcast, and we're going to have a lot more to talk about because our coaches' Candid Coaches series is set to publish uh, starting on Monday.
0: Yeah, don't think for a second that I have uh, lost the ability to talk for 12 minutes at a time and, and constantly repeat myself. I can still do that, and I'll prove it to you uh, <laughs> next week, I promise. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Tingle. He's the legend. And remember, please go subscribe to – the Own college basketball podcast via apple podcast rated favorably five stars with nice comments that's all we ask and we will talk to you again next week till then take care